Hello and welcome to Chats the Television Podcast, Season 15, Chats 8. Each week we watch and discuss two episodes of the Netflix original series, Sense 8. My name is Alan, and I'm joined by Andy Dick's assistant, who unfortunately had to clean his Academy Award the next day. It's Magellan! Oh my god. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I wonder how much influence Andy Dick has over a script when he walks in. Because it just... Who else could have played that particular role with those lines? I yeah. don't know. Just like Miguel Silvestre playing Lido, and it's like, okay, we think that you do really cool cocktail stunts, so we're going to keep writing it into the show. I think mm-hmm. that they wrote that character for Andy Dick. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it felt weird, and I wanted to make you wince a little bit. That's my my real goal when I call you something at the intro. It's like, can I make my jungle like, oi, 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 oi. What's going on? What's new in your life? <laughs> the other day, this is related to you predicting my reaction. Uh, my girlfriend and her roommate were laughing about something and they weren't telling me what it was. And then they told me that they're thinking of fostering new kittens and the kittens are going to be named uh, like egg, chives, onion and something. And Amazing. Ingredient, in- ingredients of an omelet so that yeah. when you go take them into the vet you're taking in omelet instead of like their individual names. And then they laughed a lot at that. And I was like, okay, that's promising. Uh, Or like, that's interesting. And then they explained to me why it was such a funny thing that they were withholding. And it's because the day before my girlfriend had been like, okay, we're going to tell him this. And his reaction is going to be, Oh, omelet. <laughs> Very promising. It's like to, like the pitch and pace of my words were exactly what you'd predicted. Uh the words themselves were different, but uh I'm more more predictable than I realize, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you're predictable in the right ways though, and then you're unpredictable in other ways. Uh Thank similarly you. that time that um roommate of the podcast Charlie and I we were, we were hanging out with you and, and you like said something and we were both like, yeah, that's like a Magellan reaction is like you say something and his version of yes ending is going, yeah, it is that. And we both like laughed about that for 10 minutes because I've known you for over 10 <laughs> years and you've always done that. that. Yeah, it's I'm like, oh, there's like a gigantic fish swimming in the lake. And you're like, yeah, there's a fish swimming in the lake. <laughs> like, you're a, like you're a Charlie Day character or something. Yeah, yeah, there's a fish swimming in the lake. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. A creature of comfort. A creature of, not a creature of how, but a creature of comfort is Mm. what I would describe you as. I'm a creature. Yeah, but the most important thing is that you are a creature. You're a... Yeah, I'm a creature. Yeah, I'm a (laughs) creature. There it is. (laughs) Hey. Hey. So, uh, speaking of creature comforts, we watched, we watched Sense8 this week. We watched two more episodes of it. Uh, How are you? Are you good, by the way? <laughs> yes, thank you for asking. I'm having a good New Year so far. Uh, okay. I've been inside a lot. I had to get myself out of the house recently, so I went and saw a movie with a friend, and that was good. I'll talk about the movie later. Awesome, great! I can't wait. Anyway, we watched Sense Eight. Two more episodes. This is our penultimate Chats Eight episode because next week there's only one more. Uh, but we, you could argue that we finished season two in a way because if I'm understanding correctly. The show was canceled after the episodes we watched tonight, and then it was revived. 
for the uh, two and a half hour finale that we'll watch next time. That's but, correct. Uh, yeah. So this time around, I am going to stop talking so you can do this part. Okay, great. I'm going to tell you guys that this week on Chatsay, we watched episode 10 of season two. If all the world's a stage, identity is nothing but a costume. And season two, episode 11, the finale before the renewed finale, you want a war? If all the world's a stage, identity is nothing but a costume was written by Lana Wachowski and J. Michael Straczynski. It was directed by Tom Tykwer, and it aired with the rest of this part of season two on May 5th, 2017. But John, what happened in this episode? In this episode, Sun moves ahead with her undercover mission while Leto heads to Hollywood for the audition of a lifetime. Caffius prepares for his first big speech. What do you mm. think of If All the World's a Stage, Identity is Nothing But a Costume? Such a good title. I just that, That's a JMS title right there. Just gotta Absol- say. Oh, yeah. Oh, it definitely is. Uh, I'm trying to think about how to word this. Uh, <laughs> Sense8 has okay. run out. There's no more Sense8. And it's always been a messy show since the jump. And it's messier than ever. It's as fun as ever. It's almost mm-hmm. Anthropocene. Like, it feels like it's in a post-post-sensate universe now where it's like this mm-hmm. ragged corpse just being brought up again and again as the world around it collapses. And it's like, what's left? I don't know. Sun still needs to kill her brother, I suppose. Caffius still needs to become a politician, I suppose. Like, we're just doing things for the sake of finishing them. And right. I, it's almost, it's not like arcs are progressing. It's not like characters are evolving, but we're just, you know, moving forward. And I came out of it feeling very placid and comfortable, you know? It's like, yeah, you know what, Sensei? You keep going. And uh, that's how I felt about both of these, honestly, but uh, big time on, on If All the World's a Stage. I was like, yeah, this is, this is nice. You've run out of ideas, and that's okay sometimes, because I understand that the show was, like, such a chaotic production. But what about you? Yeah, I think the part that resonated the most with me there was the word Anthropocene. The fact... No, I don't know if you used that correctly or not. Oh, damn it. I mean, you might have. Let's see. Relating to the current geological age, using it as the period during which human activity has been the dominant influence on climate. It's the la- It's the current geological age. Yeah. Okay. It's a really weird way to use it, but I'm saying like it feels like it's post-world. Like tv and Uh dramatic tv is over and what we have left is the end of sense8 season two i don't know what's it's that that's what i mean like it's a hollow corpse remaining after the rest of the world has burned down i see what you're saying um the part that resonated with me from what you said was just finishing things for the sake of finishing them um because yeah i think i don't know i'm enjoying the show i had a great time watching the episode and i don't know if i could tell you which of the plots i'm actually deeply invested in versus just i want to see this conclude because i've almost the like uh the what's that thing where you are like well i already spent money on this uh sunk cost fallacy sunk cost fallacy that's kind of what's happening to me right now yeah 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 um in some cases it's a sun cost fallacy Oh, oh brother. brother! This guy, this guy stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Watching a lot of Noel Miller, so I have all of his like soundboard clips in my head. That's a SpongeBob clip he uses a lot. That was good though. It is a sun cost fallacy. This one yeah. especially. That's that's the. Uh, is that this one? No, that's the second one. 
don't know. Regardless, the second one's the sun stuff. The first yeah. one is a lot of Leto stuff. Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of fun here, and the filmmaking is still as great as it's been. Um, but I just, uh, I don't know. I'm ready for the show to be done mm-hmm. because it just has not become what I wanted it to be. Um, yeah. And so I'm ready for it to have a dazzling finale and then move on to the next thing is is kind of how I'm feeling. Exactly. I want to be dazzled in that Wachowski way, in that JMS way where a bunch of arcs conclude and people say big things that feel like they matter. And then we get some good music and then just just, you know, close the curtain. And we're getting to that, um, at least in this set, in this penultimate episode. Um so let's talk about it. Let's talk about how how the different characters uh, reckon with their ending of their plots. Yeah. Um, yeah. For example, for example, we open on a combo of characters that I still didn't think we've we've handled or done yet, which is Kala and Riley. Uh, of all of the weird pairings that I thought we've seen, and if we have, then we uh-huh. haven't seen a lot of them. Uh, yeah. A little bit of this conversation has to do with like how much they love their respective people. And Riley talks about how good the sex with Will is and how Mm -hmm. much it's sad that he's mourning his dad. And there's this great line. I can't feel his grief. Uh, It's unbearable because the alternative, it's only bearable because the alternative is not like not handling this and not being there for him is so much more discomforting for me than just trying to be there. Uh, I can feel his grief. That's the line. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the grief talk here with Will's dad? It felt like it was necessary, and it to me, it at least gave him a more a bit more closure than, you know, Jonas, who's a farce of a character uh, now. <laughs> uh, you know, I this I I have come around on this a little bit. I think I was kind of dismissive of like the Will heroine stuff um, that we saw some episodes ago, but there's a moment where in this episode, if I'm understanding correctly, he uses heroin. Is that right? In this one, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, knowing JMS's past interest in depicting substance abuse, which we saw in Babylon 5, um, I sort of approached this story with like, okay, this is a writer that I have seen tackle these themes before in a way that I think was really accurate. Like, let me approach it in that way. And... um I I thought it worked for me that we have this guy, Will, who, you know, feels like he failed his dad, always feels like he needs to save people, couldn't save the person who mattered most to him. And now he's like entering into this self-destructive behavior um, because, you know, he feels like he deserves to be punished or something like that. And then the thing that pulls him out of it is the thing that his dad didn't have, which is community and connection and um, these investments he's made in other people, you know, keeping him alive. So I think it was brief. um, And I think that's, at the end of the day, a critique of Sensate that just you can't avoid, uh, that like these character moments are going to be pretty short. But I think all the beats were there. And I think that it was... It it was the ending that Will Gorski needed, I think. Yeah. Um, which something I realized in this episode, we basically don't see Nomi at all. 
there's like there's almost no Nomi. There's maybe just a flash right. of her in the scene where everybody is flashing through the scene. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is it's because Nomi had her ending last week. Right. Uh, the with family her at the sister's wedding. wedding and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh this feels like Will's ending to me. Um and I'm glad that we got this kind of rollover in the aftermath of it here. Yeah. What, there did, are... what did you think of it, of the Will stuff and the what came out of it? Well there are so there are plot lines that I think still don't feel satisfying. They don't feel like they ended properly. The the pro- the part where a lot of these storylines are rushed, I understand and I'm not as saying like I wish they slowed down anymore. I feel like I said that a lot during the podcast and now it's like I mean, what did you want? The show is canceled. I can't make it less canceled by wishing that it was slower. Uh but no, I do think that Will's storyline concludes nicely here with like two people talking about him. You know, this isn't Will talking about grief. Uh and he does in this episode, you know, when he's like you know with whispers and him being like oh you're the reason your dad died but um ultimately i think what will's what works about will's plotline is like you said he has what his dad didn't have which is people around him physically you know there's that really heartbreaking phone call where the dad is like i'm falling back into these habits because you are not here even if i know you're on the phone and you care about me you're not physically here and that matters to me and a lot of the like narrative weight of these two episodes is realizing that even if you're a sensei even if you have this profound intimate connection with people across the world it only really works if you're physically together like it works better than it ever could and to like build to that with will's dad and then have the rest of the show catch up felt like yeah actually will's storyline was more important to the storyline of sensei than we gave it credit for because it's about like you know, in season one, it was like, stop being a hero. Stop trying to be the cop that saves people. And he realized that and now says, okay, well, I need to help people. And in this case, the answer is you should be there for them physically. You should go visit them and get out of your head and get out of your habits. Um, so I felt good about where Will's plotline went ultimately. Mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, I, I feel mixed about the like, you guys should just hang out in person. But I want to save that for the second episode because that's where people meeting up matters a little bit more. Yeah. Um, a lot of people talk about meeting up in this episode, like that brief but interesting Wolfgang Kala scene next. Yeah. Uh, Kala's complaining that she's not finding the satisfaction in her life by continuing to try to be with Rajan. Uh, and she says to Wolfgang, for me, fixing something isn't shooting it with a rocket launcher. Yeah. Like, which is funny. And also acknowledging that, like, I cannot have a big fight scene that fixes my, like, issues with my husband. It's not... I realized he's evil and I should like dump him in front of everyone like that. This isn't that kind of movie I need to. Mm-hmm. She says in this, like I owe Raj on the truth. And I really agree with Kali here. I was like, you know what? Even if you leave him now, at the very least, you should tell him why this is happening. Yeah. Because a lot of characters have been able to do that successfully or otherwise with their partners. And it's mattered. It's been useful. Like Nomi and Amanita, their relationship yeah. is stronger because they talked about it. And so for her to never tell Raj on, it's like, you're kind of leaving this guy in the lurch. He might be a bad guy. The reveals about what he's been doing are really weird and hurried, but uh-huh. even if that's the case, you should still tell him. And she yeah. says here that she wants to tell him. Do you, are you still invested in the Rajan stuff at this point? Um, they sort of threw us a curveball in this a little bit that I think happens in the Second next episode. episode. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk more about that. Um, 
But I was under the impression, okay, Rajan is like a bad guy. Uh, he's involved in some stuff. And I was ready to see that play out. But with the curveball they give us in the next one, I, my interest is peaked again just to have the questions mm-hmm. answered. But, um, you know, the Kala Wolfgang stuff, this is the part of this sort of story that is like the most uncomfortable when yeah. it goes from the kind of like rush of the beginning to the like, well, now we need to have the difficult conversations and deal with the practical realities. And <clears throat> so for me, this this plot got like, yeah, okay, stop it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it across these episodes. Yeah, and the like, the opportunity that presents itself in the second one of like, oh, we're going to meet up in France and fall in love. And like, I wrote in my notes, like, you know what? Just do it. Just do it at this point. Just fucking do it. I, I'm no longer interested in you guys trying to be adults about this. If you really wanted to get Wolfgang and Call it together, then just make them fall in love in France and have that be their ending. Mm-hmm. I'm not okay with it. And I feel weird about it. And whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I've accepted it. Um, there's a little bit of whisper stuff in this one. We don't need to talk about it because most of the cool whisper stuff happens in the second one. Um, but I'd say the two big like tent poles of this episode that we can talk about are uh, Caffius's whole political situation and then Leto and Sons uh, back and forth. Which one do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about Caffius. I, I, I'm curious your thoughts on, on the Caffius plotline in this one. Speaking of inevitability... If we're going to set up Caffius as being a, a politician, this is this is one way for that to go. The show is going to say, yeah, it, <laughs> it, it goes really well for him. We didn't, uh-huh. I, I almost wish that we could have seen, like, the buildup to all of this. For him to just go, like, in front of this huge, huge crowd all holding up signs that say, uh, you know, like, Caffius and Van Damme and all of this stuff and, like, Hope and whatever. I'm... I wanted to see how we got here. It feels like we skipped like all of the parts that are interesting about somebody becoming a politician and just got like, uh, and then it's really dangerous because people want it out for you. So like what we got other than his really good speech in this episode and the fact that everyone here supports him was like, mm, does everyone like his family and friends do, but there are still, he still has enemies and he's going to have to accept that for even when he's not like, fighting for Silas Kabaka and driving his daughter. Now, as a politician, he's dealing with the same shit. People still want his head because once you have an ideology, people are going to fight back against you. Uh, it felt very... Like, they, they they ratcheted up the scale for this plotline in a way that I found distancing. Uh, it, you know, he's saying, like, oh, don't they know I'm just like them? Like, I'm normal, guys. I'm normal. Jella tells him, just drive the bus, which is what encourages him to walk up to the podium and talk. And it's great that, like, the sensates are here for him. But, th- like, what is this? Like, I feel like, you know, four weeks ago, Caffius was driving a bus and dealing with his mom and trying to deal with structural, like, economic unfairness. And now he's a politician? What are we going to do with this plot line? Nothing. Congrats. <laughs> I guess he became what he wanted to be. Right. Yeah. It it really is... Uh... The situation where, okay, we're doing this A to B to C to D to E to F to G thing. All the steps follow logically one to the other. But, yeah. like, where's, what's the, 
I don't know. What is the story of this? It feels like the next step is only responding to the previous step. I mm -hmm. love the the speech that he gives here where he's talking yeah. about like, you know, his mom and his dad and about his beliefs about people coming together. But when has that ever been a thing that he <laughs> says, <laughs> you know, like this whole time, the only thing we've really been told is the people around him are saying, you should do it. You should do it. You should run. You know, the people love you. They would support you. You could, uh, you know, depose this like corrupt dude or whatever. But I don't think we've gotten a lot of insight into Caffius's beliefs. So for them to emerge in this speech, it's well written. And also, I wish I knew that, you know? Mm -hmm. He's almost just like a, um, a megaphone for the show's politics, you know? Talking about right. like, right. Jella and I are of mixed cultures and we never talked about that because those things don't matter to us. Differences matter less than what we share in common. And mm -hmm. it's like, what's so funny about that to me is you have all these like nice sayings and talks about like my family is of two different cultures. And it's great that we're acknowledging the diversity of African culture. And mm -hmm. then what, it, what does the plot have left to do but throw a Molotov cocktail at him? Like there's nothing left. There's no more like, okay, somebody disagrees with you. Why? Don't worry about it. The plot is over. We have to drive him out of here. Something has to happen. People want to kill Caffius. Okay, yeah. it just shows that, like, yeah, no. It, once you start to speak out about your beliefs, people are gonna disagree with you, and that can get violent sometimes, and it's sad but true. Uh, so, like, as the scene transitioned to, oh, like the police are being really violent and like hosing people, and Will's like, this is a big trap, and that guy's gonna try and stop you. Oh, his son's gonna block the knife, and then the leader of the superpower comes back. I was like, what are we doing? Like, why are we here? What's what is this anymore? Why? Uh, and he's like, oh, why are you helping me? Because the safety's on. You're not actually gonna shoot me. He tries like Caffius away, and the guy's like, well, we both work for someone, and I don't want people to try to tell us what to do, and that seems unfair. So. Fuck the ops, basically. <laughs> fuck people who disagree with us and fuck our bosses. Um, mm -hmm. I work with you because I choose to. Okay. Where are we going? He goes home and <laughs> then he's fine. Caffius is fine. Uh -huh. Right. I felt like nothing. I do. I still like seeing that guy. And yet, eh. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that guy's incredibly charismatic, but I think yes. we talked about this last time. It, it's just, it doesn't make sense. Mm -mm. <laughs> it's just this kind of like arbitrary uh you know lion's lion's paw is that what it is Maybe. what's that story where you pull the thing out of the lion's paw is it a lion? i don't know anyway that just that feels like what it is um but there's not much to the caffius plot besides that and it's really also used uh i think what yeah bothers me about it is partly what you said that as a character he's just a mouthpiece for the show's themes. I guess he did that speech for the reporter that one time Sakia. that he did with Leto. And so that yeah. was a previous time where Caffius's views are being shared. Yeah. So that's something. Maybe I'm just but jaded then, on politics, but someone becoming a politician to like espouse their views feels like very hollow to me. Yeah. And I just don't trust the like people who are around him and 
cheering him on and saying like, yeah, you should do this. It feels like they have agendas that aren't being explored, but I guess we don't want to be critical about that. So, and we know it's not going to go anywhere. Right. So, uh, he gets home and it's like family and friends. They're like, you know, even though that happened, you probably are still going to win. People still like you. And the other guy seems like an asshole now because they know that these guys were sent by him. So you, this is fine. Like, <laughs> Don't even yeah. worry about it. It's just weird. Uh, weird. Do we want to pivot then to talk about uh, Sun and Leto's wacky adventures? Yeah, let's do that. So we talked last time about, again, Miguel Silvestre is, uh, does like bartender stuff. Uh, presumably, unless that, I still don't know if that's a stunt actor, I could not tell. And Sun, coincidentally, in order to get into Junki's like big party that's coming up, uh, needs to be a hostess. Uh, so she is at hostess training, and the guy's super intimidating, and he says, "I need you to make me a drink." Uh, and so she uh, is making a sidecar. I looked this up, by the way. It's cognac, orange liqueur, and lemon juice. Which sounds Yum. Yeah, it actually sounds pretty good if you like cognac. Uh she doesn't know how to make this. She's nervous about it, but Lena knows how to make it, and so on her end, that's really what happens is she you know, and Leto embodies her for a second, they do it and it's great. And then she gets into the party, and that's what happens in this episode. Except also there's a part where Will she's like getting nervous about like, Oh my god, after this, like I'm gonna go to this party and I'm gonna kill my brother. And Will says late in the episode, every cop knows there are times where the only choice you have left is to defend yourself, which is so copaganda. I can't even yeah. believe wow. it that that it's in that someone wrote that line. I know. And then they follow that up a little bit later in the episode with Riley coming home to him. I missed my like, cop. I missed my cop. What? <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Oh, God. The sun half yeah, of this episode is just his pants on head it's getting her to the cool part <laughs> next episode yeah, whatever right right her wearing the pink wig is fun too um but yeah i'd say my favorite plot of this episode is is leto's half of all of this um he's listening it's a little small detail he's going to meet mr wrangler who's played by andy dick as we mentioned before he's listening to like some spanish hip-hop to hype himself up he's got his little headphones in and he takes a break because what's happening is that Mr. Wrangler is like, before you can be my character, I think he's the director of the movie. Uh, or the ca- like or yeah. casting or director the, or something. Or the, a producer or something. But I think he's the director. Yes. And he's like, I need you to do the audition in front of me. Do it with my like assistant here. And you're going to do this like really emotional scene. I need to feel it. And to hype himself up, he goes into his head. And then he helps Sun. That gives him the confidence to channel her. Because she is having the same arc as this character in the movie perfectly coincidentally of like i don't know if my family loves me anymore i don't know i feel like i'm on my own sad 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 impresses andy dick it's very cute uh he gets the part seems like it's going well (laughs) then again just like okay this plot doesn't need to go anywhere but we want to take it somewhere let's Uh throw on some let's throw on some uh weird edm uh it feels like we're in the new game plus of leto's plot at this point (laughs) We well said. Party. Well said. It do, it's like, yeah, or the post game quest line that you're like, oh, this is weird. Why is this in here? I, <laughs> yeah. I have all the upgrades. Like, okay, sure. Andy Dick talks about how he got an Oscar and he had, he shoved it up his he butt. He moved it up, put it in his butt. Yeah. 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 And then 
Bananas cameo from Mark Jacobs? The, like, fashion guy, Mark Jacobs? I, th I think that's actually him. I might be wrong. Uh, the guy with the hat, I'm pretty sure, is Mark Jacobs. Uh, or no, that's Charlie. The other guy is Mark Jacobs. The guy that, like, actually dresses him is Mark Jacobs. I don't, are they actually dating? Why are they in this? Do they want to do the Wachowskis a favor? Uh, also, as they're panning around this, this party, uh, and someone's like, look who's here. And then Danielle's like, oh my god, it's him. Is that Johnny Depp that she sees? What? I think, she, I think she's, there's a part where someone's oh my like, god. I googled I googled um, Mark Jacobs Sense8, yeah, and uh, I do believe. Oh no! Yeah, it is. Fair. Yeah, yeah. Mark okay. Jacobs made, did an Instagram post. Me studying my sides for episode ten, season two. Yeah, I actually I googled that, and then there was a like a related search for Johnny Depp. So I'm clicking yeah. on that. I mean, uh, I don't know if that guy yeah, was actually Johnny Depp. Yeah, no, that's that's. Johnny Depp. At least it's it's in the show. It is. Right. It might right, have right. actually been him though. It's really weird. I also think Lady Gaga's playing piano at this, but that's my theory. That's so weird. Wild. So weird. We're just in Hollywood so now. Funny. We're doing like real like. I I I watched a movie this weekend that that also felt like oh my god this Hollywood guy just bought got his Hollywood friends to be in his movie and mm -hmm. now it's like okay did the Wachowskis and it just like no Mark Jacobs and like Johnny mm -hmm. Depp and they were like can you just sit as an extra in our scene please but so weird mark jacobs makes leto get naked and like down to his underwear at least and dress him in like people's clothing from around the party it's very strange and kind of uncomfortable uh yeah yeah it's supposed to be it's making leto feel very vulnerable and out of his element uh because mm. they're like oh like you're gonna be so hot now you're now you're my main character and he's kind of cute i guess he's got a fun yeah. hat on Mm -hmm. um he i think his... my thing yeah oh, go ahead. sorry no, i was gonna pivot i was gonna segue i mean i think my thing with this plot with the caffius plot is it's partly informed by this meta textual understanding that the show is about to end so yeah. i know that this like this is nothing yeah this isn't going anywhere which isn't totally fair to the show because this could very well be setting up for the next chapter of Leto's story where he's living in Hollywood and he's dealing with this new cast of strange characters and we're going to deepen and explore these themes a little bit more. Um, but because we know that there is not like, and maybe they get into this in the finale. I mean, it's two and a half hours long, so there's plenty of time mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. But for reasons we'll talk about next episode, the chess pieces have been moved around a little bit. Um, but like, that's where I'm finding it hard to to like be a fair television cri critic because I could very easily see this being like, all right, we're wiping the Lido slate clean. We're not in Mexico anymore. We're in Hollywood. He brought his buddies and now here are all these new supporting characters and we'll get back to them and we'll make this more fleshed out the way that we did season his one. like season one story. Mm -hmm. Um but because we don't have the benefit of seeing what they could have done, all we can do is judge this by the fact that this is all that they gave us, presumably. And when this is all you have, it's like a comedy sketch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's mm -hmm. that's just not quite what I'm looking for when I watch Sense8. So it's a, it's a tricky thing to critique, I think, because there's just this weight of like, 
knowledge that we're not supposed to know um, in in watching it. It's this is becoming the Netflix thing, and we'll talk about this a lot when we talk when we get to the finale of the series. But you build things, and if you can't, you can't. If if Netflix, the CEOs or whoever the the higher ups there can't imagine where this is going to go in three, four, five seasons, and and see that it's going to be continuously successful, then they're just going to axe it. And like the only thing in here that feels like a thread that's going to pick up is the introduction of Blake, Blake Huntington, his like uh, partner in the movie. Yeah, his like co-star, right? Yeah. Other than that, none of this is going to go anywhere. Even like if mm-hmm. there was a season three, I don't think most of this would come back. Other than yeah, it's like Lita's in Hollywood now, and people are like weird and sexual and judgy of him. Because mm-hmm. it's a different kind of judgy than like oh no, in Mexico people are homophobic. It's like no, in in Hollywood, uh, people are not home. Everyone's gay, and it's weird. <laughs> and we're weird uh, uh-huh. about it. Right. That's that's what right. this all feels like. But like, yeah, we meet the 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 co-star, and he's like, I would fuck him. I fuck his character. Uh, whatever. I think that actor is uh, Cheyenne Jackson. Is the name of the actor? He's very good looking. It's I have nothing to say about him though. But it felt like yeah, the, they're setting up a plot. The distracting thing is the thing I know him from is Thirty, 30 Rock. Rock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it's like hard to take him seriously because in that he's like this the Canadian guy who is like really hot and well meaning, and everybody hates or Jenna hates because he's so hot. Mm-hmm. could be popular more popular than her so it's like you're what <laughs> right it's hard for me to not see you as the 30 rock guy danny baker from 30 rock yeah right exactly it's weird and then we get like some bonnie Vare as as lead us on the beach and him and hernando are like this is like another wrinkle that could become something he says what if everyone finds out i'm not a good actor and that kind of struck me a little bit as somebody who has a lot of self-confidence problems or has had them, uh, I'm working on it. It's my like big challenge this year. And like to see Leto, somebody who's like very successful, he's not worried about like, what if I don't get the part anymore? He's like, what if they all realize I'm a fraud? Like he has like honest to goodness imposter syndrome here. Uh, I really empathized with that and felt and uh, like I felt him when he said that they, like they find out I'm not good because he has been doing like action movies loud you know memorable to the certain types of fan base movies but he hasn't done like you know hybrid quote unquote hybrid cinema whatever the hell that means so this is like scary for him because he's not used to this type of acting so I really liked that that aspect of this and I thought that that would have been cool to like follow up on and Hernando in this same scene you know this is the scene where they're on the beach. Hernando says, there's nothing more frightening than having a dream come true. I was like, yeah, dude. Yeah. These are the lines. This is like the end of Lido and Hernando. This is them in the sunset. They they strip down and they kiss in the water together. That's so cute. Mm-hmm. And then he says, he yells from queer to eternity because from here to eternity is one of his faves. Uh-huh. Uh, it's both setting up some stuff that could have been interesting and just ending Lido and Hernando's plot in a cute little way. And I like yeah. that. Right. Yeah, it's this very rapturous, we did it, we made it, and now we can do this out in the open on the beach and be ourselves and wear our Speedos underneath our clothes, and it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) When they both stripped off all their clothes and they were both wearing, like, matching Speedos, (laughs) it was hard to take it seriously. Yeah, they planned it. They planned it. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, but I, yeah, I, I would like to see the scene where they do plan it and they're like, hey, let's have a spontaneous uh, sex thing on the beach kissing thing where we're wearing our Speedos. All right, are you mm-hmm. going to wear the blue one or the, the black one? Or I think Lilith is purple. I might be wrong. Oh, I don't remember. I didn't. Nice. I, I didn't look super closely. I'm not. I mean, listen. No. <laughs> <laughs> I. I. I'll be right back. <laughs> That's what I got. It's a fun episode, and then it ends with, um, yeah. Kala's is like, I'm really nervous, and then they reference a line that Sun said back in season one about putting all your worries into your fist and fighting for what matters to you. God, that was such a good moment. Yeah, it was. Dude, it's oh, season. Awesome. Who who was watching this when it came out and said, "Yeah, that was a line from season one." Like, one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eagle-eyed listener was like, "Yes." Besides us, my favorite stuff of Sensate is when one Sensate is like, "I gotta go do this alone," and everyone's like, "Fuck oh. no, we're all gonna do this. Let's go." And it's like, "Yeah, yes." Every time it happens, I love it. Every time, yeah. yeah. Did you have any straight notes on this one? I wrote this line, Whispers doing the creepy villain thing is great, but I can't remember what. He's like in Will's head at some point. Yeah, he threatens Will. villain stuff. In this episode, he threatens Will and says, like, oh, you're going to keep doing the heroin, but you're not going to actually get out here and do anything. I'm going to keep fucking with you until I capture all of you. Right, right. The guy playing Whispers is great. I think we're, like, doing this kind of inconsistent thing where sometimes he's scary and sometimes he's not. Uh-huh. But the guy playing Whispers is terrifying. Yeah. Terrence Mann is the actor. I real yeah. I realized I recognized him in something today. What? Because I was looking on his IMDb and I was like, wow, that photo doesn't look anything like Whispers. That's he really transforms his character for different things. It was him in the mm-hmm. Dresden Files. But what no, what I know him from is he is one uh, in Foundation, Apple TV Plus's adaptation of Asimov's Foundation. Uh, he's a very important character in that and another very menacing villain type uh, that I really like in that show. So if you haven't seen Apple TV Plus's foundation, it's he's kind of playing a similar character of mm. like menacing, older, talks about the end of the world, has big plans, etc. Mm-hmm. I dig it. I dig it a lot. Okay. Um, um, I think my favorite line from the episode is... I can't remember who says this, but someone says there's a chance, maybe even a last chance for a future that doesn't look like our past. That might be Kala. I I don't actually remember. Um, Or no, I can't remember. But I think the reason I can't remember is because it applies to so many of the character plots in this moment, which is makes it a good line. Um, And I like that way of phrasing this moment of like we are entering the end game of of the show or of the season mm-hmm. is it's partly about making things different but it's partly about like this is our last chance to make things different um and i like that feeling of what the stakes are here um and i think it sets us up well to go into sun's like action movie conclusion yeah, it's exactly. A lot of this is like the best parts of this episode are building up to that that little the the conflict next week. Yeah. Uh I think I'm not I'm seeing the script here but it doesn't have people's names next to it. So I'm not it might be in actually Caffius's plot regardless. I like that line too. The whole the thing about the last chance. Yeah, did you have anything else? No, that's it. All right, great. Well, let's take it to a brief musical break, and we'll be back to discuss You Want a War? 
Welcome back to Chats 8. The second episode we watched this week was season two, episode 11 of Sense 8, entitled You Want a War? It was written by Lana Wachowski and J. Michael Straczynski, directed by Lana Wachowski, and it aired on May 5th, 2017, along with all the rest of these dang episodes we've been watching. Alan, we've been binging. We've binged the last 10 on May 5th, and we're about to go to sleep for the night. But first, we're going to watch this Final episode of Sense8. Ah, we heard it was canceled already. What the heck? Damn. Hope this one's good. What's it about? Well, Majon, I'm really glad you asked because I don't know. In this episode, <laughs> at the gala, Sun braces for a climactic showdown with her brother, Junki. Soon, a dire new threat sends the Sense8 scrambling to save another member of the cluster. And just to clear that up, the new threat is the old threat. It's Whispers again, but now he's also kind of working with Jonas. And the member of the cluster that's taken is Wolfgang right before he meets up with Kala in France. We're about to rescue him. And then the show is extremely over before it's over. Uh, that's that's the real summary. What okay, happened? Two questions for you. Go. I've, just two quick questions for you. How Do you know how long people had to wait until the final episode we're going to watch next week? Yes, I've looked it up before. How long? Do you want me to tell you, or do you? Are you asking me? I already looked. I'm looking at it. I'm quizzing. It's a, it's a. It's 13 months. That's right. Bananas. 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 Would you? Would you have been? How would you have felt if this was it? Uh, really disappointed. Here's the thing: is Sensei yeah. was warning us. Every Netflix show does this shit now, where they write for a longer arc, and then Netflix, my, a friend of mine, friend of the podcast, um, or, you know, friend of a friend of the podcast, Kevin, from the Austin Danger podcast, calls this the da-dum, which is the sound that Netflix makes <laughs> when you open it. It's called getting da-dums, da-dumed, which is when Netflix uh-huh. gets you invested in a show and then cancels it right when it's getting good. Uh, yeah. It's happening a lot. We're used to it now because Netflix is a poorly run company that has no interest in anything except user engagement and keeping you watching things. They don't care about shows being good or having, you know, a solid brand identity, uh, but they do care about numbers. And uh, I read this thing over the weekend. I can't remember where it was, but uh, it was basically saying that a key metric that you can use to see like which shows Netflix is canceling or renewing is the rate at which people who start the show watch the whole thing. Oh yeah. From beginning to end. And if it clears more than half of the people who start it, watch the whole thing, it gets renewed. And if it's, it doesn't clear that, then it doesn't get renewed. And I, um, yeah, I saw that as well. Which is, which is a weird metric because and the article points out like there are plenty of shows that are lauded as like some of the best ever in comedy and in drama that did not have those sorts of watch numbers in their early seasons 
And it was through word of mouth and the shows improving that eventually they were able to garner and through the support of streaming services, allowing people to catch up on them, that those shows were able to, to garner a following that made them classics. Um, so it's, it's really kind of strange to then watch a streaming service that has been, you know, maybe unintentionally instrumental in preserving and deepening the fandoms of broadcast television shows like imagine the office fandom without mm -hmm. Netflix, right? Yeah, exactly. Or or imagine being able to jump on to I don't know, Breaking Bad or something like that without Netflix. If it was on Netflix, I don't remember. Um I think it was. Those are perfect examples by the way. Those I took those from the article. Okay. I can't I can't keep pretending like I came up with that. <laughs> um but uh yeah, it's just funny that that's the case. And then Netflix does all this original programming and doesn't like <laughs> there's no thing to catch these things when Netflix is like, yeah, you know, we're done. Um, it's just such a strange dynamic. And I don't want to just keep saying like TV shows used to be better or they used to because because what we got in the aughts in the 90s and the 80s was instead we're going to drag this show that doesn't need this many seasons into a hundred episodes so that it can get syndicated. That was the profit-minded right. work. But that allowed us to get more episodes of things. You know, it led to things like Scrub Season 9, which a lot of people don't like. Like, shows going too long, you know, is a really popular thing. But nowadays, it's a blessing if a show can go really long because it means they can actually tell an entire story and they can introduce weird characters and do it. It's way more rare that a show goes over two, three seasons. Uh, it's just very different. It and Sense8 was right at the tip of that spear uh, that we're now like fully immersed in. It's like if a show can get past two seasons, it's a miracle. Um, so yeah, I feel like this episode is a huge bummer when it ends you're like oh fuck okay Sh okay yeah we have nothing left we're done because it it feels like a writer um i'm i'm pantomiming right now i'm writing on my hand uh it feels like a writer who is writing a story and then their pen ran out of ink and they threw the manuscript away it's like well shit what you should try to finish that Chick, can i got can i get any you, you were like mid sentence the pause was pregnant where where what was the next sentence uh, and that's how I felt finishing this was like, well, uh, uh, you finally got me invested and then you ended it. Damn it. Um, so it's disappointing. This is a really disappointing fin if quote unquote finale. And if I was a yeah. fan, I would be, if I was watching at the time, if I had made it to season two, then I would have been with those fans who petitioned for an ending. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and I, I mean, it's obvious that the creators didn't know that this was a cancellation because this is just such a moment of whoa you thought you knew what was going on just kidding now some nuts is going on see you in season three and those are always the worst i appreciate it when shows take the other approach of like any of the season finales yeah. could be the end so let's do it that way um that was something i really liked about i think the good place did that mm -hmm. um of like Every season is kind of like an escalation of the show's concept or like a new direction for it. Yeah. And then you can kind of see that resolved at the end of the season with maybe some threads left open so that you can pick up next time. Um, 
but I don't I don't love it when shows take this approach of like let's just you know throw it all out there and see if we can pick it up and I mean JMS did this on Babylon 5 and thank god Babylon 5 ended <laughs> right um but here it you know it sensei doesn't end until mm-hmm. people force it to end until it does <laughs> yeah this episode in a way, though, it is a send-off for a character who, like, since the beginning has been brought to the side. And what I like about You Want a War is all of the sun stuff. Because, I mean, like, look at all eight of these guys behind the car as she's getting ready to kill her brother. And none of them are like, son, revenge is not the way to happiness. And you're not going to find fulfillment. Mm-hmm. They're like, you want to mm-hmm. do this? Whatever. I don't feel any particular way about it, but I want to help you accomplish what you need. And she's been doing that for them the whole show. And it's really refreshing for everyone to finally be like, son, what do you need? You know, we could have helped you with this so long ago. And we've just had your plot on pause. So to finally give son the ending and have it be the classic, like, revenge is futile. Don't worry with it. It, Like, the system is going to fight back no matter what thing. Felt appropriate and good. And we also got some great Wachowski action in all of this. So, like... Everything in that plot line, in isolation, loved it. Once Wolfgang gets kidnapped, the show is setting up. It's 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 building a railroad to nowhere, basically. Um, so let's talk about the sun stuff first, yeah? Since that's like that's the part that ends. Yeah. I love this aggressive swing. You know, we talked about season one having some genre pastiche going on that these different characters were bringing into it. I love this aggressive swing away from the kind of like um central sensate genre or tone of like we're just happy to be around each other we love each other so much to this like hyper violent glitzy neon action film mm-hmm. this is awesome <laughs> like this whole sequence fucking rocks yeah to see son like fight through the dudes and chase her brother um it was cool this is the Matrix Four. This is yeah, uh, yeah. It, it it like feels like a prototype of some of the scenes in that film, um, and it's just them doing all the stuff that they do great, like the highway scene from the Matrix Two. Like they fucking know how to do driving chase scenes and fight scenes and club scenes. It's all it's like a best a greatest hits. Um, Jun Ki, the ultimate motherfucker. Just to start the episode, you know you hate him. He's giving a speech about his dad. Oh, man, dad was so wonderful. He's telling all these rich people at this stupid party, like, oh, man, I like, I really, it's so sad what happened to my dad. Even though you fucking killed him. You got him killed, you dick. Uh, and you're just, like, stewing in that with the rest of the characters. And then who's back? But mother effing Detective Mun, who thinks that it's a smart and responsible play to just arrest Jun Ki in front of everybody. Um because that's gonna go fine except just kidding he gets shot in the stomach immediately <laughs> uh-huh. at the, at the end of my at the end of my notes for the last episode i wrote they just totally forgot about the de- that detective guy huh yeah and then he's he's in this and i loved that all of the characters were like son wait detective mun is here he's gonna solve everything i bah! love that guy <laughs> Lita <laughs> literally says, "I love that guy." Yeah, and then blah, yeah. yeah. Shot to see all of them down. be like to see all of them mourn him more than they mourned Jonas was. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, though. They're like, "What?" I think yeah, Kathy's is like, "He's dead." Detective Munn is dead. 
he's not but they thought that he was and you're like oh my god that's so sad aren't the guy that we mm-hmm. like had like sex with as a kid and then now we fought him in front of our dad's grave that's great i love him he's dead yeah. or he's shot and uh for some reason the show decides that for sons the rest of sun's scenes she needs to be stripped down to her underwear is there yeah a- that was the one thing where it's like you know, Come if this on. is going to be a Matrix thing, can't you also have her wear a duster or something? Yeah, like, give me a leather jacket. Why, why are we doing this? It it was it was silly. And it's it doesn't exactly feel like. I mean, yeah, like dude, isn't like they do not like really beautiful. Yes, I agree. But like, it almost feels like they're just making her vulnerable. Like there's she has nothing mm. left. She's just like down to her skivvies. Um, huh. like she's in like military. Uh, or something she just feels very like brought down to nothing and all she has left is her gun and her wits and these eight people um or these seven other people it felt like maybe that's what they were going for but i also it's also the camera's gaze like look at her sprawled out behind this car with everybody laying on top of her like it is that too yeah it's just it was a really weird direct like directorial choice and there's like so many promotional images of it if you look up this episode that that's like was this the the gimmick because we're going to get, like, son half-naked and have her fight her brother? Okay, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wasn't a huge fan. Me neither. Um, I was just confused by it. But Kala has an idea. Everyone's like, Kala, come on. You're, like, the scientist. And she's like, no. <laughs> I she, played... like, forcibly takes the body over. <laughs> Give me the... the body. Mom says yeah. it's my turn to use the Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> and blow the car up. Like, we're playing, again, like, we're playing goddamn GTA. <laughs> <laughs> shoot the gas thing and they're like it doesn't work like it does in the movies she's like no you shoot it it leaks out and then you shoot the leak that's how this works and she blows a car up that's pretty fun uh as junkie attempts to escape though nomi and bug have quote hacked the grid and first of all they get on the parking speaker and scare him by quoting alito rodriguez movie which is so cute and he's uh-huh. like, who, who are you? <laughs> he's like such a, a baby in this. Why do you know my name? <laughs> and uh, she's like, you know, justice is served. And they do this whole thing about like they make the lights red, which again, it's, I think I, a thing that I think they do in The Matrix. Like they literally do that. They do that in a lot of movies. Um, Caffius decides to drive like, oh, conveniently, there's a motorcycle. A lot of this is just convenience so that we can do fun stuff. Caffius is like, oh, a motorcycle. Junkie again referencing that we're in a movie or a show is like what is my sister the terminator (laughs) and she drives through like a marketplace and there's like free rebar poles for her to take and wolfgang throws a rebar pole into junkie's car wheel oh my god that was awesome so cool so sick it flips and 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 we're not done with that rebar pole because Sun drags it like she's a horror villain. Oh, man. The way that they get rid of all the guns and they're like, I need a weapon. And it's the rebar pole. And somehow, you know, this is the most raw fucking dangerous thing <laughs> that could have possibly gotten into their hands. <laughs> this is action directing at its finest. It's, yes. it's really something to behold. Yeah, 110%. I mean, like... That she drives by a a, po- uh, a store that just seems to sell rebar poles. Like, it's just, <laughs> just 
there. She doesn't break it off with something. There just is a pole there. Like, it's so convenient. I love it. Yeah, Wolfgang wielding it like a damn javelin. Yes. Awesome. He slams it in the wheel and and then the car flips and blows up. And This is beautiful. My my roommate's been watching the Fast and Furious movies. We're trying to, like, finish the last fucking five of them. And those have some good action directing, but nothing matches a good car flip. I'm telling you. Uh, and then the dragging the pole, I'm going to kill my brother. And I'm like writing in my notes, is this going to be a f- revenge is futile? She's not going to kill him thing. It totally is. Uh, but the little twist is that he's taken away, not by police, but by another politician, which like season three plot line, that's not going to come to pass, I guess. Uh, he gets safe. She is about to get arrested. We can't let son get arrested because she's going to get killed in prison. We already had this happen before. So uh we break her out here's another question if i'm gonna be annoying about like how did we like like the rules of sensate uh will manages to free her by like pulling something out of the truck but isn't aren't her hands tied so how come he's able to get out of her body and like pull something out of the truck if her hands are tied um maybe yeah that was a little confusing visually but i think we've been in a position before where She's been in a pair of handcuffs and Will has gotten her out of the handcuffs. Yeah. So I I think that, you know. I think that the hand wave is that she could move her, her hands and we just didn't see that. Yeah. But it is a little visually confusing. Yes. And uh, we do some Tokyo Drift stuff and as she, she like, they knock the car into another car with a red light. And you're like, oh, no. Like, okay, we got out. But how are we going to get away? If only there was a motorcycle. Who's here with a motorcycle, Magellan? Um, let me try to guess five different characters. Yeah. Um, okay. It's Diego. Detective? Oh, okay. No. Yeah, Diego. <laughs> he flew to Seoul. Um, okay. How about, gosh, I don't know. Bug. Bug's there. Yeah. Well, Bug is on the comm, so Bug can't be there right now. He's okay, busy. Okay, it's not Bug. Gosh. Um, yep. Uh, okay. The teacher, the, her teacher guy. Uh, he's busy taking care of the dog. Okay, Detective Munn, I guess, is in the hospital. He's in the hospital. He just got shot. Okay. I give up. Who is it? Remember that sex pest that was in an episode for five minutes? Hmm? Sorry. Puck. Puck? (laughs) Puck from Riley's plot, who had nothing to do with anything, is conveniently here with a motorcycle because he's a sensate. This is what happens when you're friends with people, even weirdos is that they can just come and save you. He gets he drives her back to the um the love hotel. So convenient. I'm fine with it because the show is over and nothing matters anymore, but how how silly. Puck of all people. Can't, he did come uh-huh. to Seoul. He I don't think he was in Seoul before. Uh, yeah, on the on the Sensate wiki page, the top comment is like how is Puck in Seoul? <laughs> I believe Because it, yeah. it, there's really no setup to it. Uh, there's that moment where Riley's like, I guess we're going to have to call in this favor. Except like, why? How? Why? What? Did you set this up as like a potential option? Mm-hmm. It's so such a weird, random moment. And he's got his, his little hentai tattoo as they're in the hotel and... He's like, oh, son, you owe me something. Like, naturally, like a man. Here's the thing about masculinity is that, like, you owe me sex now. And so you should come do sex with me. And so what would son do? But what any of us would do and break his foot 
and make him sit in a corner like a good boy. <laughs> so good. It was her and I think Kala just talking. <laughs> and he's in the back like, anybody going to, is this plot about me at all? Can I have sex with someone? No? Okay. Ow, my foot. <laughs> beat his ass. <laughs> Uh, the news, thank God, confirms here that Mr. Mun is alive. Detective Mun is fine. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then they talk about Junkie's intercepted by political people, and he's, they're calling her a psychopath. We know this is a, se- a season three plot that goes nowhere. Uh, right. Or it'll be in the finale. Uh, they attempt to extort Puck, Puck about his different connections. And then another this show is canceled moment as a random beautiful woman from puck's cluster is like puck you gotta get out of here don't tell anyone anything and take a bunch of blockers and go in quarantine you're in trouble bye guys i gotta go i'm out of the plot now because my sensate lady told me i can't help you is she important do we see her again i mean i think we know the answer to that question is probably not but again the next episode is two and a half hours long so anything could happen anything yeah. could happen in it yeah uh and then yeah her plot just bumps into wolfgang's situation so son she had her little ending and junkie's not a junkie's free and was it worth it probably not but it was really sick along the way yeah we it kind of ends in this place of the news being like well, she is a murderer and really scary. And the characters are kind of scratching their heads like, ah, was that the smart thing to do? <laughs> why Why did we do that again? <laughs> Not quite sure. It was fun. But yeah, it was fun. That's for sure. Um, I have a couple, another quick, two quick scenes that happen. Um, In the sun stuff? No, I don't have any other sun stuff. Do you have any other sun stuff before we move on? Mm. I, I love the club. So. Um, yeah, I, I do like the club. I like the little character detail of her brother pretending that she's there as a distraction, and then he actually sees her, and he's like, "Oh fuck, oh, fuck. she's <laughs> actually here." <laughs> that was <laughs> very funny. A funny thing. And then I love when she's chasing him, and he says, "Are you serious? My sister's the fucking Terminator." Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that's yeah. sick. The way so he good. says it is so goofy. Yeah. Um. My my quick hits are about yeah. Caffius, who gets okay. a check in season three, season three, season three. Uh, a bunch of Kenya, a bunch of like other African sensates are like, "Hey, what's up, Caffius? We just want to let you know that like you weren't the only one there at that big rally, and you need to like ask for help sometimes. And we're here too if you need it. We are eight characters you're never going to see again." This is awesome. I wish I could. This is the like the season three thing I want. I wanted more of the imaginary sensei season three is let's yeah. introduce more sensei clusters and they're all different right. ages, but they're all like different. They all look different. It's so cool, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, how can sensei be different ages? They're probably maybe they're not in the same cluster. Hmm. Yeah, th- I think they just I think they just know each other. Maybe. Or maybe the August 8th cluster is the only one born at the same time. We don't know. I don't know how that works. I think it I was think like to presented to us as like a truth of sensates that they're born on the same day. Yeah. Okay. That's Because okay. I think Jonas w- was like, hey, you might notice that you're born on the same day. Right, right, right. And then my other quick hit, whatever, that plot goes nowhere. It, there's nothing there. He gets up. He sees them. They're like, hey, what's up? That's all. Um, 
Let's talk about Nomi and Amanita for a second. This scene made me tear yeah, up. Yeah, this this was pretty interesting, I thought. Mm-hmm. Amanita remarks on the fact they're back at the apartment. They're reflecting on how crazy life has become. Oh, my God. Uh, we've been, like, fighting. We've been getting shot at. We're hacking things. We're across the country. Your brain is, like, inhabited by seven other people. But at least we're, you know... We're dealing with our choices. Choice is less about what happens, more about how we deal with it, which is a really good point from Amanita. And you're building up to, and I love doing it with you, Nomi, and I want to keep doing it with you. And you know what's about to happen, guys. And yet, when she turns around and pulls out that box and there's a ring inside, I get a little, I tear up a little bit. And then when Nomi goes away and she turns around and pulls a ring out, I tear up a lot. <laughs> sweetest fucking gay wedding moment ever they both got each other rings and they proposed to each other yeah i i adored this um i'm glad i really like that they spent time in this plot addressing the impact that being a sensate would have not just on like the romantic bonds you form with another sensate but your existing romantic bonds with someone who's not in your cluster with people yeah yeah and what does it look like to like still preserve and cherish and hold most dear these non-sensate bonds while being connected to an experience that someone can't under- can't understand. Uh, it feels really important to me that that's a part of this story and that we're affirming their love is, is able to transcend this fantastical reality and it's affirming of like what is fantastical about the love itself, you know? Um, and I think that's really special. And like you were saying, you can read from a mile away. I mean, Amanita gets up, walks across the whole room and yeah. starts talking about our life together. And you're like, okay, she uh-huh. got a ring. But then that second ring, you don't expect it. And and it's a great, great scene. And you make a good point that this is actually addressing like the one little problem I was having with Nomi's plot, which is like, oh, every time we try to live our lives, the sensate stuff happens. And like, are they going to address that? And what they say is like, so earnest and loving and what i love about sense eight is that it it affirms like love can still happen even when your life has like all of this chaos and problems in it which is that we can do it together yeah fine i i know that our life is going to keep getting interrupted and i love that about you and what amanita says about like when i first met you i said like you came into city lights and i said don't let that girl leave without giving her your number and then she says and i kept that in my head don't let that girl leave and that's wonderful power of love we're we're big saps here at chats it's it's goofy it's it's gooey it's nice and i like it a lot <coughs> no me nominate it forever uh the mad the 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 ineffable power of lesbianism anyways uh <laughs> colin rajan opened that present from ajay uh uh-huh. extremely i think extremely a season three plot line because it's a statue of ganesh and Kala goes like, oh, is Eddie know he was a believer? I feel like this is a veiled threat, the way that Rajan reacts to it yes. or something. Yes, it definitely feels that way. He's because he's like, it's delicate. Don't break it. It can be destroyed easily. Is he saying like, I'm going to take Kala from you? And then. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Rajan's like, hey, I want to tell you everything that's been going on in my plot line. I'm not a bad guy. I've actually been investigating political corruption and Ajay's my partner. Did either of us expect this plot to go this way? Uh, Ajay's not his part. I think he's investigating Ajay undercover. Oh, that's what it was. He said he was involved. Like, he might be involved in the corruption. 
Yes, I believe that's what's happening. But what's funny is that we, the viewer, don't expect this to be what it is. I thought it was going to be like, like he's probably, when he was yelling on the phone before, he's probably yelling at Ajay or someone related to that plot. That's probably what that was. And Kala, too, is like, this is not what I expected. I thought you were uh-huh. just cheating on me. What? what you, you're <laughs> investigating? I, I wanted to go to Paris and have sex with a German guy. Um, <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny because Kala goes into this interaction like, well, I'm the one who has a plot here. And then Rajan's like, look, I'd love to talk, but I have a plot going on. And Kala's like, huh? Wait, huh? Huh? you have a plot? What? Not, you can't do that. Excuse? Stop it. It's my plot. That. I'm going to go to Paris now and just be your nice wife. Anyways, hey, Wolfgang, what's goody? I love you more than I think I love my husband. I should talk yeah. to him. And it's it's weird, like, how much Rajan takes in stride, Kala being like, hey, we should talk. And he's kind of like, oh, yeah. Yeah, our relationship's kind of over, huh? Anyway, look, we don't have to talk about that right now. There's, like, some some business going on that I want to keep you safe from. And look, our relationship might be over. And it's like, wait, what? Who what, is what, this? What? Why, what? <laughs> why are you, like, so chill right now? Yeah. Really weird pivot Super for Rajan. Weird. Super weird. And before Kala and uh, Wolfgang can get together, Lila, Leela interrupts and says, you know, I wanted you. And so did the cannibal. So did Will Whispers. Anyways, he's here. Wolfgang gets fucking tased. And we begin a plot line that has no ending yet. uh, As (laughs) literally, literally exactly like Riley getting kidnapped. We're taking Wolfgang to a facility. Mm, We're gonna mm -hmm. lobotomize him. We mm-hmm. figured out who... I, I think Whispers' goal at this point was to find out more about who the different members of the cluster are because he goes into Wolfgang's brain. How and, did he know that Wolfgang was in their the August 8 cluster, though? That's what I don't understand. Yeah, how did this. he get to... The, where did the logic bring him here? Uh, Lila, from like, Lila. When I, well, but Lila's like, when I learned how much he wanted to get you, but how was... Because, like... Leto, right, is yeah. this super famous movie star who's way out in the open and isn't being followed by BPO because uh-huh. nobody knows that he's a sensate. And certainly they don't know that he's part of the August 8 cluster. Mm-hmm. So, like, there needs to be some source of information for Whispers or Lila to learn what cluster Wolfgang's in. Right. But But it isn't clear to me how that happens. I just figured Lila gave him the info because she said we get to be safe and we get blockers and stuff if we help BPO. And she told Whispers where Wolfgang is. That makes sense. But how does Whispers know who Wolfgang is? Right. Is what I'm saying. And that doesn't isn't explained. Uh, no, it's not. And when Wolfgang's captured, they see the ID. Everybody's now flying. Speaking of... Uh, this storyline being about like people, we can work better together if we just meet up. Everybody's taking flights to London, and Angelica's here for some reason. Wolfgang, they're like, he's like, where am I? And <laughs> Whispers goes, oh, you're in the Trace Works. And I was like, don't introduce a new proper noun. <laughs> don't give me like a new place with a name, guys. Uh, I don't care about the Trace Works. Uh, but everyone's going to London. I think like they're literally flying. I don't think it's like one or two of them. I think like all eight people are coming to 
Like some of them are going yes. to Whispers, some of them are going to what we find out is Jonas's house. No, I think Jonas is in the same facility. Oh, I thought he was in like a kitchen. Uh, I thought it was like a house or whatever too, but I think he has an apartment-like place inside the oh, facility. That's like because in the van held. at the end, they unzip the body bags and it's Whispers and Jonas and Jonas from the same location. Okay, that makes more sense. Um, sure, Jonas is working with Whispers, I guess. Um, here's my question, just to my last little details thing of Sense Eight. How come uh-huh. Sun's able to fly? Huh? Sun just like killed a bunch of people and th- oh, like uh-huh. And now she can show her ID and fly on an airplane? Yeah, well, I think Nomi probably mocked up a fake thing. Because it says Sun's Sun Bay. It's, I don't it's think a it Sun does. Bay. Yeah. Yeah, not Sun Buck. So I guess they just changed her name and she wore sunglasses and was able to get through. Sure. Right. Well, the thing he said, like, hey, report this person. And the guy is like, meh, go on ahead. Oh, he didn't notice. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're all here. A bunch of us beat up Jonas. A bunch of us beat up Whispers. And then the funniest thing. I laughed out loud. Whispers and Will are once again in that, like, interrogation room. And whispers, it's like, Will, you stupid motherfucker. You're always in my brain. I'm in your brain. You're never going to beat me up. Uh, whispers, I'm actually here. Huh? Bop! Punches him. Kicks his ass. Because all of them took blockers and whispers didn't know that they traveled. So he literally thinks that they're visiting. And in actuality, they're physically here. And Jonas thought the same thing. And that's how they're able to do this, is, is just take blockers and then you can travel across the world and not get seen it's a little hand it's it's a little dumb yeah it's it's framed as like a twist and it's like we've been working with blockers for the whole season what do you mean we finally tricked whispers like (laughs) that makes no sense yeah it feels like uh you're when you watch a heist movie and they do the heist and then they explain to you all the planning that happened where they planned the heist Except there's no planning scene that explains this. Yeah. So maybe that's, you know, it's like season three will explain it to you. Whoa. But I was left just being like, wah, 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 wah. What happens fast? How? How did we do that? You go from boom, Whispers knows where Kala is to boom, Will is in the room with Whispers, clonk, slam. All right, let's go. It's it's very fast. It's like kind of funny. Yes, 100%. It's very funny. You want a war, you've got a war. What? Why? What? Okay. Next season, I guess. There is no next season. <laughs> so, like, I guess my thing is that the finale has to be just this. We rescue Wolfgang, and we all, our plots end. Son gets to be free. Will is over his dad. Riley is happy in life and doesn't feel like she's a curse. Uh, Leto is a successful actor. Caffius is a successful politician. Colleague gets to be with Wolfgang. Show over. Like, I think that's all the finale has to be. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's probably going to be a big heist thing. Is that what you want from the finale? I just want it to end. I don't even know. I just want it to end clean. I don't want this to be the ending. That's what it is. I don't want this to be the ending. 
Mm. So mm-hmm. if it's if it's cleaner than this, then I'm happy. Yeah. If, if they can like somehow wrap up the things that were going to be resolved in season three, like the other sensates, that's the impressive thing. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to ignore all of those things. Yeah. What about you? Um. Yeah, I think the thing that's kind of funny and that gives me some hope about the next episode is all of these characters leave their plots to go do the main plot. Like Caffius's mom is like, what's wrong? You, you seem so unusual. And Caffius is like, all right, bye. Gotta go. Or Leto like hits the floor in the bathroom and Hernando and Danny are like, Oh my God, let's call the ambulance. And Leto's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. Listen, we got to stop this Hollywood plot. Cause I got to go do like, the end of the show now mm-hmm. but i'll bring you with me and i'll explain everything <laughs> and that gives me some hope that like we're not going to spend a ton of time in the next episode doing the next thing of all of these plots but then it makes them feel even more kind of like ugh, it's annoying that we spent our time on them because they don't get resolved um but we'll see i mean we're sort of you know, I'm speaking about something that I haven't seen yet. Yeah. But uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it because if nothing else, Sense8 has always delivered new stuff to me. Yeah. Like in terms of visuals and little ideas, even if sometimes the plot movement hasn't been there, um, it's always been entertaining and engaging. And uh, I'm excited to send it off next week. For sure, we'll see where we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Any straight notes before we get there? Um, I don't think so. Uh, no. Mm-mm. Okay. Me neither. Next week we are watching the real season finale, series finale of Sensate Amor Vincit Omnia, which is Latin for Love Conquers All. In the sweeping series finale, passions run high as the sensates and their closest allies fight to save the cluster and stop their enemies for good. This aired in June of 2018. The thumbnail is a bunch of the sensates in a car together. If we listen to what's going on, I'm going to (laughs) cry. I'm like ready for it. Um, Please, 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 please. I want to hear their playlist. I don't I want to hear multiple songs. Me too. Magellan, to bring it to the close, where can people find you on the Internet? They can find me on another podcast called Super Smash Echoes, which I do with my friend Justin, where we talk about video games that are related to the Super Smash Brothers franchise in some way or another. Uh, We play them. Usually they're games we haven't played before, but have had some sort of cultural uh, impact, and uh, it's a fun time, Super Smash Echoes. Also, as of this recording, I am looking into and probably have launched at this point a Substack page just for kind of random writings and such um probably by the time you're hearing this it is just a place for me to collect things that i have written in the past in other places um but something i'm going to try to contribute to and add to over the course of 2023 it's not that magellan and it's as of now free to subscribe to so check it out just kind of writing about things that are of interest to me and on my mind Um, setting a a date for yourself now when the podcast comes out 
that'll be out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm on a couple podcasts. One is called Oops More Anime. My friend Six and I are wrapping up our coverage of the anime Mobile Suit Gundam The Witch from Mercury, which just finished its first core this week. Um, We're probably going to announce that we're not picking up that show for its next core because we have problems with how it ended its first one. But anime discussion over there. That's on scanlinemedia.com. Six and I also do the Creature Quorum where we talk about and discuss and review uh, talking about and discussing are the same thing, Alan. Come on now. We we discuss creatures from Pokemon, Monster Hunter, and elsewhere. And uh, it's very funny and silly. And you can check that out also on Scanline Media. Finally, I'm the producer and primary host of Talking Marketing, which is an AMA Boston podcast that comes out every other month, where I and my co-hosts and co-VPs interview marketing professionals about their craft. And that can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. It's called Talking Marketing. Magellan, this being an even episode of chats means that I get to do the plug zone. Mom said it's my turn to do the plug zone. Um, do it. I will. I will. I will. I will. I'm not biding for time. If you have questions, comments, concerns about chats, our email address is chatspot at gmail.com. If you're still on Twitter, A, I applaud you because I am too, and I don't know why I'm still there. Uh, it's at chatspod, C-H-A-T-C-P-O-D, just like all instances of chatspod. If you're on Reddit, we have a subreddit. It's our chats pod where people talk about the shows. If you like chats as a podcast, you like Magellan and I talking to each other, then um, rate us on your podcast platform of choice, Apple Podcasts. We have a couple of reviews on there um, and Spotify as well. We appreciate your feedback, uh, good or bad. If you want to support us financially, we have a Patreon. It can be found at patreon.com slash chatspod, where at $1, 3 or $5 a month, you get all sorts of bonus content from both Magellan and I that is and isn't about TV. So um, at $5 a month or more, you get thanked at the end of every main episode of Chats. And as of today, our uh, $5 patrons include Arthur, Jen, Justin, Kat, Lee, Magellan's mom, Marcus, Michael, Nick and Pat of the Brothers at Infinite War, Six, and Stefan. All things chats can be found at chatspod.com. Our podcast art was done by Camilla. She can be found at Camillustrator on social media platforms. And before we take it home, our final segment here is called Chatsums. That's where Magellan and I give you a recommendation for something to enjoy, experience, think about between now and next week on Chats. So Magellan, that being said, what is or are your Chatsums this week? This past weekend, I concluded a legacy board game that I have chatsomed in the past, and so I want to take a moment here to re-chatsome it. It's called The King's Dilemma. If you can find four other people who want to play about 14 rounds or so of uh, this kind of negotiating, wheel and, wheeling and dealing, uh, you know, Game of Thrones pastiche kind of thing... I highly, highly recommend The King's Dilemma. Don't look it up. Don't spoil it for yourself. It's a great legacy board game. The best that I've played um, so far. Um, After we played The King's Dilemma, everybody who I was playing with, we walked to this like nice little diner. We got a big lunch, a big late lunch. We ate our big late lunch. We took a huge nap and it was like everybody... Everybody took a big nap slightly off from everybody else's big <laughs> nap time. And yeah. so you would like emerge because uh, we were like staying at one of these people's houses uh, or somewhere where they're living upstate a little bit. 
So we're like in this house and there's like a fire going and I wake up after sleeping for like an hour and I look over and my buddy is going from waiting for me to wake up to lying down on the floor in front of the fire and he falls asleep Aww. and I'm like, all right, I guess I'll fall back asleep. And then we all woke back up and there was like an hour left before everybody had to go. And we played this other board game that's my chatsum, which is called Sagrada. And it's this really pretty little puzzle game Ooh, where cool. you're passing around this bag of colorful translucent six-sided dice um, and you're trying to pick dice from the pool to add to what you're building in front of you which is uh, a stained glass window is like the theme of it mm. um, and it kind of has these like almost sudoku like elements of when you place certain things it sets rules for what can go around it and you're kind of building the thing in front of you, but looking at the person next to you and thinking like, do I want to mess with them? Is it worth it? Oh, can I, if I take this now, am I giving up something good later? So it's just enough little decision-making and just pretty enough that it was the perfect, like the perfect uh, kind of denouement to the day uh, that had had this like intensity earlier on. So I highly recommend Sagrada um, if you're looking for that sort of a, a light, fun, uh, thinky uh, sort of pretty thing. S a g r a d a Sagrada. That's right. That evening, um, by the way, sounds you? like no. That, that evening sounds like your that day sounds like your dream. You played board games. You had you went to a <laughs> diner and then you took a nap. Yeah, I had this like fat this fat uh, Reuben sandwich. Oh, and God. then I just slept on the couch. And Amazing. the sun set around me as I was sleeping. It was it was quite something. It's stupendous. Um, yeah, my chatsums are films. I have some films to talk about real briefly. Uh, I want to shout out the last couple movies. I, it's it's January 9th when we're recording this. And I've watched three, four, five, six movies this year already, which is big for me. Um, I've just had a lot of free time and it's been cold. So, like, what else is there to do but watch movies? Um I watched Chef, finally, um, as a big fan of the YouTube channel Binging with Babish. I know that his favorite movie is the is Chef from 2014, written, directed, and starring Jon Favreau. Um, it's a very self-indulgent but very sweet movie where Jon Favreau gets a bunch of his celebrity friends to be in a movie about a down-on-his-luck single dad who uh, is trying to like reconcile with his son and also gets fired from his big like culinary job that's stressing him out and so he opens a food truck and takes his son and john leguizamo around the country with him and they make food for people and it's really sweet it's very it's almost like saccharin and uh it being from 2014 means that like the, uh, there's an extended plot line about him almost getting in trouble on twitter because he like at somebody that he thought he was dming and his son is like oh my god dad everyone can see that public at like it's you know, 2014 Twitter is a different world than than what it is today. Uh, and that's just really charming, that, like, plot point of it. But it's a really fun movie if you're bored and you want. It's, like, you know, kind of, I don't like the term, but food porny. It's very, like, look how good this food that he's making is. He learned to cook mm -hmm. for the film. Um, it's called Chef. Oh, and there's a, that's cool. There's a TV series um, about him and the guy, Ray Choi, uh, who taught him how to cook, uh, going huh. around and, like, cooking together. Very cool. Yeah, that's Chef. Um, and then I, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. I saw Avatar The Way of Water this week because I was bored and I wanted to go to a movie theater. It's a good movie to go to a movie theater for. 
It's. <laughs> I usually right. hate movies that are over two and a half hours long. This movie was three hours and fifteen minutes, and it didn't feel long. Which is wow. a testament. Yeah, it's fun. Impossible. It's remarkable that Avatar is becoming more like Avatar, because. Avatar, oh. the Blue People movie, is now like we need to go to the different tribes and learn their elemental abilities oh. to oh. stop a big uh-huh. war. And a- so oh, Avatar shit. is becoming more like Avatar: The Last Airbender. Wow. Uh, the next one's going to be about them going to the Fire Tribe, which is interesting. So James <laughs> Cameron, he still got it. He still got it, the ability to wow us with beautiful visuals and family emotional sappy stories. And the CG uh-huh. looks good. And what can I say? If it's on, if it's, if you have a way to watch it, I'm not going to be like, you got to see it in IMAX. I watched it in standard def and I had a great time. Just check it out if you're bored. It's really fun. Um, That's all I got, though. Movies. Keep watching them. I'm probably going to slow down movies, though, because like... <laughs> You've I watched need... a lot of movies so far yeah. this year. Yeah, I really have. Thanks, man. Uh, that's all we got, folks. I want to say thank you to Magellan for being... The sensate fandom to my sensei creator because he kept he keeps things going, even when we get canceled by our corporate overlords. And uh, I want to say thank you, dear listener, for being the chats listener to my chats host because you keep us going. <laughs> 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 this metaphor is going absolutely nowhere. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good night. Tip your waitress, and goodbye. <laughs>